Baptist Church this morning. I hate to be an announcement guy, but I'm doing announcements this morning. Uh, tonight we're on a regular schedule. One at five students will meet. Uh, we have a Bible study in the Co-Ed 6 Sunday School classroom. We're doing a, a DVD study, and the title of it is this, Experiencing God's Dream for Your Marriage. Okay? Does your marriage feel like a dream? If not, you need to be here tonight. Okay? And you say, well, I'm single. 
will come anyway. You may, you may find your mate in the class tonight. Also, I want to mention that if you're interested in, the, in church membership, that inside your bulletin, okay, in the care card, if you'll tear that out and fill that out and mention the fact or check the fact that you'd like to be a part of a new member's class, uh, please do that so that we could have a record of that. And we basically do the new member's class based on uh, the desire for people to join. And then also this Wednesday night at 630, we have a special called Deacons Meeting in the conference room. So if you're an active deacon, please be there. Also, we're taking deacon nominations. If you will, uh, you can take um, a piece of paper and or fill out the care card and give us a nomination. Just put it in the uh, basket in the back. We'd really appreciate that. Right now, I want you to stand uh, together. Let's all stand together and welcome one another to the house of the Lord this morning.
Choir. Just a few uh, prayer requests that we have this morning. I want to make mention to you, and you hopefully will come down and pray for these. Continue to remember Indy and Zach Pearson in your prayers. One baby weighs three pounds plus. The other one weighs one pound plus. And I think this past week, India got to hold one of them. Um, and people have been asking how they can give. You can give through your um, offering. If you'll just put in the memo or put in the on the offering envelope, put Pearson family or Zach in India. We'll make sure that um, they get the money. But it's going to be about at least a two-month hospital stay. So if you will, continue to remember them in your prayers. Also, Melinda Chapman is at Wilkes Hospital. And uh, Melinda really needs your prayers this morning. Okay, so if you will, Danny, Melinda have been members here for a long time. They're kind of like uh, one of the foundations of this church, in my opinion. And uh, Melinda really needs your prayers. So pray for Danny as well as he travels to Wilkes Hospital. And uh, Adam Walker's grandfather passed away, and they had his service yesterday. And his brother, Daniel, whom I know very well, was privileged to uh, preach his grandfather's homegoing service. So if you would, remember him in prayer. You also, I know you have things on your heart that you want to pray about. So as the choir leads us. If you'll meet me here at this altar, uh, let's pray together. And I'm, I'm going to ask Justin if he will to lead us during this prayer time. Lord, so thankful to be able to gather in a place like this today freely, and Lord, we um, bring our requests and our petitions to you uh, because you're a living God, Lord, this week, just as you were last Sunday, Lord, you're still living to this week, and Lord, we just want to lift up the walkers to you, God, and Melinda, and the Pearsons with the new babies, God, and we just pray that you would handle each situation accordingly, and Lord, that you would do what would bring you the most honor and glory and that we would be content with those results. Lord, for those that are here at this altar this morning, we just ask that you would hear their cries, hear their prayers this morning. Lord, may you grant their requests, God. And Lord, if it's a no or a wait, again, Lord, we ask for contentment as we wait for your answer, God. Lord, we thank you so much for a chance to be able to worship you this morning through song and through giving. We pray that you bless our tithe this morning. You'd multiply it and it would go to the kingdoms. Lord, that it would go uh, to further your kingdom, God. Lord, for Jamie this morning, as he brings us the word, Lord, we just ask that you would help him to recall those things that he studied this week and that he's learned. And Lord, that you would maybe even bring something new to him through the spirit this morning as you lead him. Lord, hide him behind the cross this morning and let him not see anything amiss, Lord. But we would all leave here this morning a little bit more like you because um, we have applied something to our lives, Lord, from your scripture. Lord, again, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Justice approached the bench where I stood condemned and declared me unworthy to be justified. I faced the judge alone. No
Amen. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 22 through 25 this morning. The title of the message is Love One Another. I believe this is a very timely message for us to look at this morning. just want to remind you as our choir is going down that um, you can read about the life of Peter in the four Gospels. And it's amazing how God changed this man. Not only did God change uh, Peter from being lost to saved, of course, but God changed everything about him. And as I read, especially the first chapter of, of this epistle, it's amazing how deep it is. I think this is my 13th or 14th message just in the first chapter. Um, now, we get to the second chapter, it won't be like that. But still, it's just amazing um, how God blessed these men, how uh, Jesus' disciples um, quoted the Old Testament and just saw how the Old Testament just flew into the New Testament. Don't ever let a preacher tell you the Old Testament's not important. That's what they preached. When they went into a synagogue, they preached. That's what Jesus preached. Peter quotes the Old Testament here. Notice what he says. Since, now that word since means because of all these things that happened before. All right, You have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now, if you're here today and you need your soul purified, I will listen. Okay? He says, since you have been purified, since you have purified your souls in obeying, look at that word obeying, and then those two next words, the truth, okay? So the word Peter uses here for obey is very important. It's what you're doing right now. And then the truth, we're going to talk about that. And then how are we saved? If you'll notice in verse 21, we last week we talked about redemption and resurrection. And verse 21 says, who through him? We believe because Jesus made it possible. He died and rose from the dead. Now notice, when it comes to your salvation as well, the Bible says in verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, there it is again, through the Spirit. So you're born again today, not only because you hear the truth and you respond to it, but because a supernatural thing happened in your life. The Spirit of God purified your soul. Okay, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. And if that happens, if God, now, what, what Peter's trying to say is this. If the Spirit of God regenerates you, then your life has been changed. And there are certain things that should follow that. And the first thing that Peter mentions is this. Notice what he says. He says, in sincere, look at the word sincere, love of the brethren. Look at the word brethren, very important. Love one another. In the Greek, that's just one word there, one another. And then look at the word fervently. With a pure heart. So you're supposed to be sincere, you're supposed to be fervent, and you're supposed to have a pure heart when you love the brethren. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, talking about the Bible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever because, and here Peter quotes Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8. This, is, this will be the last point. All flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withers. Everybody look at me. Your grass is withering. Is it not? The brevity of life, Peter's talking about. Isn't it amazing how when he talks about loving your brothers, he gets to the point of how short life really is. And then he says, as the flower falls, grass withers and its flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the redemption and resurrection of our Savior. And Father, today we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. Father, if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, 
I pray that you, through the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would help people to obey the truth. Father, I pray that you would convict, you would draw, you would convert. Lord, you would regenerate for your honor and for your glory. And then, Father, for those of us that are saved, what a tremendous command Peter gives his readers and you give us to love one another. What a difference that will make in our lives, in our homes, Lord, in our church, and in our community if we do just that. If we just make a commitment today as individuals to just love one another and to love the brethren, Father, what a difference that will make. Father, it, it was so contagious in the first century that people couldn't stay away from the church. And Father, I pray that that would be the case here. That, Lord, we would speak the truth, we would obey the truth, but people would talk about as well how much we love each other and love our community. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So there's three things I want you to see this morning. The first one is the truth. And the truth is the gospel. What an amazing verse. Notice what Peter says here. He says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Notice those two words there, the truth. And what Peter is saying is this, the truth is not abstract. It's the only true truth when it comes to salvation. And what Peter is talking about is this is the gospel. Now notice how Paul mentions it in Ephesians 1. Michael, if you'll go there and then go back. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, And you also were included in Christ when you heard, there's that word, obey, same, same thought, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So go back. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, so the truth is the gospel, that Jesus Christ lived, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. Peter writes this as that was a historical fact. Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, says this, The faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel has come to you. Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? The Lord's brother says this, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Elsewhere in the New Testament, to obey the truth is to believe in it. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, a very familiar passage of Scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So you can hear the truth and you can reject it. Every Sunday, there's 100 plus churches in Alexander County. This morning, I would say most of them preach the truth. And every service, after an invitation is given, people leave and reject the truth. Isn't that sad? It is sad. I did that for years as well. Look, Paul equates believing and obeying. We obey the truth when we believe it. The word obey, now listen, the word obey, it's helpful to understand that the word obedience here is a compound noun which combines the word for listening and under. It means that at some point in your life, you're listening to somebody share the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, okay? Hearing by the word of God. So you've got to hear the message. People will say oftentimes, share the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. You've got to use words. You've got to use words. You can be a good person and people will be attracted to you for being a good person, but that, that, don't mean, that don't mean that they're going to give their lives to Jesus. 
It's beautiful when you do both. You, you obey, look at the word, to hear under the truth. So if you're, if, if you, if you're going to pick a church to go to, the number one thing that that church should have is that the preacher preaches the truth, amen? That the Sunday school teachers teach the truth because nobody can get saved apart from the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Peter says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, you hear the truth and, and you're convicted by it and you obey it through the Spirit. Which means this, that nobody's saved because of the clever tricks of a preacher or an evangelist. People have often said, why don't you give like longer invitations? Well, why should I? I can't save anybody. Steve, you ever saved anybody? Nope. You know what you do? You share the gospel, the Holy Spirit works, and God saves whom he will. Listen, through the Spirit, which means this, the Spirit convicts in the Spirit alone. That word convicts. Jesus says, when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, which means this, okay? The Holy Spirit convicts. That word means causes to see. It doesn't mean you're saved. It just means you're convicted. I've shared this often. My, my first Sunday at Millersville Baptist Church, I was under conviction. Just under, God calls me to see. Never had been like that before in my life, ever. Went to church. It was the day after the prom, amen. Had to go to church. Dated Renee for three years. Never went to church with her. Went with her that morning. Was wearing a white tuxedo. Looked stupid, right? I did. I looked bad. It was bad for me. She looked great. I looked bad. Don't ask for the pictures either, okay? Looked bad. Sitting there, just a lost kid, hearing the choir sing, preacher getting up to preach. Sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. Wah, 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 wah. And then all of a sudden, the gospel. And I remember sitting there, and I was ripped apart. Have you ever been ripped apart? Now, a man can't do that. You can't do that. I was, I was listening to the truth, and then the Spirit got involved. And friends, when it comes to evangelism, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God convicted me, and at the invitation time, I did not respond like a lot of you. I mean, I was 20, 20 years old. I mean, everybody knew my reputation. And I was sitting there at the invitation, listen, and I was just sitting there, but God had caused me to see, Right? I understood for the first time that I was lost. And my prayer for you is, is that God will show you if you're not born again that you're lost. Nothing wrong. Thank God for conviction. Okay? Hey, Christian, you know what God will do to you as well? If you're living in sin, you don't, you don't need a preacher to tell you. The Holy Spirit will convict, will he not? All the guys people said, he'll cause you to see. Okay? Because we get blinded sometimes, don't we? But listen, not only that, but God convicts. I pray God convicts you today if you're not born again. Then the Holy Spirit draws. The Holy Spirit draws. It's like this. Let's say Jeff was me that Sunday at Millersville. It's like the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he does. That's what was happening to me. Listen, I would leave, I would leave the church. I, started, I kept going to church. And every time at the invitation time, I'd leave. But something was messing me up. I would talk to my friends when we was out on Friday nights about the Bible. They'd say, what's wrong with you still? God was drawing me to himself. I can't do that for you. See, Peter says this. Now, he's talking about genuine salvation. Since you have pure, the Holy Spirit purifies your soul, okay? 
in obeying the truth through the Spirit. And not, then finally the Holy Spirit converted me, right? I can't convert myself. I tried to change myself. You know, you go to church and you hear the word preached, you, you, you realize as a lost person you should stop doing some things, right? You should stop. I knew that. I stopped doing some things and was still lost, okay? But the Holy Spirit convicted, He drew, He converted, and then He regenerated me when I placed my faith, listen, in Jesus. I, I remember uh, somebody asked me, what did you repent of? I just repented of being lost. Now, I'm going to help you with your family members that are lost, that, that live a certain way. Okay, listen. Your job is not to get them to straighten up. Your job is to get them to place their faith in Jesus. See, I committed all kinds of sins before I got saved. I just repented of being lost. Jesus said, repent, for the gospel is at hand. The only thing you can repent of is being lost. That's it. God saved me, and then God changed me. All things become new. Old things passed away. In the church, we reverse it. you got to stop doing this. you got to stop doing that. Come to church and then give your life to Jesus. Don't work that way. God cleans his fish after he catches them, doesn't he? Isn't it better to eat a fish that's been scaled? Is it not? No, I'm not a big chef or nothing, but I don't eat fish with, with scales on, right? See, you place your faith in Jesus, and then God changes you. Okay, And for us, it's uh, some people, they can just get it, right? And then some people, it takes a lifetime, amen? Don't try to get your loved ones to straighten up and then come to church. Don't work that way. Don't try to say, you got to stop doing that if you're going to be a Christian. God will do that. they got to place their faith in Jesus. That's salvation. That is salvation. That's what Peter's saying. Since you have purified your souls, you can't do that. Jesus does it. It's amazing how God can change us, isn't it? If we'll just give, give it to God. Look, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and if that happens, my friends, if that happens, this second thing will happen. Notice the second thing, the command to love one another. Notice what Peter says. What a, action, what, what a packed verse. In sincere love of the brethren, Jesus said the greatest command that he could give you is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and basically to love one another. Look at the word one another. In the Greek, that's one word. A hundred times in the New Testament, you see one another. He's not talking about the world here. He's talking about the family of God right here. Look at the word brethren. That means from the same womb. Now, a Jewish person would understand that because the Jews felt like, because they were God's chosen people, that all the Jews were going to heaven. They're of their father Abraham. Peter takes it a step further, and he says, nope, that's no good anymore. You have to be from the same womb spiritually. Which means this. this. This is what it means. It means if you know somebody, okay, that's been born again, that's been saved, that you're to love that person. You're to love that person. We're not physically from the same womb, but we're spiritually from the same womb. Paul says this to the church at Thessalonica. Now concerning brotherly love. Look at the word brethren and brotherly love. He says, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. It just comes with being saved. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, says, the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. Jude says this, keep yourselves in the love of God. To the Hebrew Christians, they had demonstrated this love 
The writer of Hebrews says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. So Jesus, Paul, Peter, James, John encourage us to love one another. And, he, and basically what they would say is this, true holiness is seen in the way you treat God's people. Jesus said, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another, right? All men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And how are we to love each other? First thing there, look at the word fervently. It comes from a Greek word which means to stretch. Tinos. It's where we get the word to stretch. And then I think the little prefix before it is ek, which means, which means to stretch out. It's where we get the word tendon from. Okay? Tendon. You don't even know you got tendons until you stretch one of them, right? And that hurts, don't it? See, if you're going to get in good shape, and John Brisky could, could probably speak on this better than I am, uh, being in the medical field, but you got to stretch your muscles. Stretch those things. Heal those things. Break them down to get built back up. What Peter is saying is this. Now listen to me. It's also where you get the word tension. Okay? If there's not a little bit of tension in your love life for other people, then you're not fervently loving people. Have you ever loved somebody and it, it was just a stretch for you? Come right around with me sometime. <laughs> I mean, you just got people in your life that you just... Have you ever seen somebody at Walmart, you're going down the aisle, and then you walk the other way? Have you? I hadn't, but y'all need to pray, okay? Y'all need to pray, all right? Because what you're saying is, I don't got time for that today, right? But now listen, if you love that person, and what if they have a need, what you going to do? You're going to stretch, right? You're going to stretch your time a little bit, okay? The best way around that is just act like you're talking on the phone. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But think about this. Are there people in your life that you love from a distance? You know what God would say? Listen, God converted your life. Share the love of Jesus with them. I'm talking about among, look, he's talking about the church here. When you see the words brethren and one another, he's not talking about the world, even though there's another kind of love for that, right, for the church. Then I would say we get it down. This is going to a letter, this letter is going to a church, okay? These people are scattered over Asia Minor. This letter is going to a church, and when they read it, they're saying, we're to love each other, look at me, fervently, which means this. There's not anything you can tell me, and I'm going to pick on Jeff this morning, about Jeff Fairchild that will make me stop loving him. You hear me? And if you come to me and want to talk to me about Jeff Fairchild, if it's not undergirded by love, just be quiet. Amen? Just don't share it. We're not the world, are we? I mean, if I'm going to stretch out and love Jeff, you're not coming to me unless you want to help him. Okay? Fervently love somebody. What if Jeff is doing some things that people say he shouldn't do? Well, you know what I should do? I should love him. Get out of my comfort zone and go talk to Jeff. That's the church, people. That's what Peter's telling these people. The world hates you. You're to fervently love each other. Notice here, he says you're to, you're to be sincere in that love. You're to be sincere. You're to love each other. Notice, from the heart. One person said this. He says, love from the heart. Peter says that the gospel empowers moral change, specifically the ability to love our brothers. Now listen, this is real, from the heart. He goes on to say this, since the heart is the most important anthropological term in the Bible, 
This is no minor claim. The Bible always talks about the heart. Solomon spoke about it often. He says this in Proverbs 4, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything comes from the heart. You better guard it. One of the greatest pieces of advice I could give you today is to guard your heart. Okay? Uh, Solomon says this, The heart makes plans, does it not? Don't we make plans? He also goes on to say that the heart controls every member of the body. Our facial expressions in Proverbs 15 and our tongue. Okay? What you say in a heated moment comes from where? Your heart. It does, whether we want to like it or not. That's why you need to guard your heart because your heart guards your tongue. Amen? The heart seeks knowledge. Don't you want to know more? I oftentimes get online and just listen to the smartest people I can find and go, I wish I was smart as that. I do. About every, every topic. And what Solomon says, the heart seeks knowledge. Or sometimes we follow the heart's foolish impulses in Proverbs 6. He says the heart in Proverbs 3 can make you trust God. It can help you make decisions and establish a life direction from the heart. Jeremiah said this, the heart is evil beyond all cure. And unless God regenerates it, which he promises to do. In Ezekiel, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, of, of, remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And in this thing, Peter says this, God uses the gospel to change the heart so that we can love one another deeply from the heart. And then the final thing he says here is we're to do it with sincerity, which means this, without hypocrisy. Now, Peter knows this firsthand because about 20 years earlier, uh, Peter learned this the hard way. He was enjoying fellowship with Gentile Christians in Galatia. And then some Christian legalists or Christians who, well, they were legalists. They wanted the people to keep the law passed through. They apparently chided Peter for eating with the Gentiles who didn't follow the Jewish food laws. You remember in Acts 10, God told Peter, you can eat anything. Everything's clean now. Jesus rose from the dead. And, and what Paul would say is this, don't tell somebody in order to be a Christian, they got to eat certain foods. Paul tells the church of Galatia, it don't matter if you're circumcised or not. That's up to you. That's a personal preference. Paul says circumcision ain't going to save you. Circumcision doesn't do anything for you. Okay? Circumcision's a, a personal choice. Just because he did it in the Old Testament doesn't mean you got to do it now. And they were trying to add works to the law. And when Peter got around him because he was Jewish and had those Jewish legalistic roots... He wouldn't eat certain foods around certain people. And then Paul came to him. You know what he said? You hypocrite. You're a hypocrite and you're denying the gospel. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 2. He says, here you are preaching that Jesus Christ alone saves, but you're eating like it's, it's your performance that keeps you saved. He says, you're a hypocrite. Don't we sometimes, if we're not careful, love people that way? Don't we? Don't we sometimes, if we're not careful, love people that way? Want everybody to know what we give to help somebody else, or this, that, or the other, okay? Be careful about how you love another person. Listen, this is what he's saying. Now listen to this. The gospel should have taught Peter not to separate from fellow Christians over matters of food, okay? Listen to me. Matters of food, types of Christian music you listen to, how long your hair is, whether or not women wear dresses, okay? All those are gospel issues, right? No, they're not. Whether the preacher wears a tie, okay? 
What translation of the Bible we're using? Come on now. Peter's alive and well from Galatians chapter 2. But listen, here's the point. Think about this. This point implies that we can solve many of life's questions by asking what action is in line with the truth of the gospel. Because Paul says this to Peter. He says, you need to be in line with the truth of the gospel when you're not. Now think about this. Every decision of your life needs to be in line with the gospel. Every decision. It's a love thing you do in your relationship to the Lord and with others. Now think about this. People ask me oftentimes that have come here for a while, why don't you typically preach on giving or tithing? Well, that's a gospel issue, is it not? I didn't hear a sermon on tithing. I got saved. Started giving. Think about this. Think about what God has done in this church. I was looking the other day. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to preach on you tithing. You should. It, it's a gospel issue. You've got to ask yourself. Now, look. I was going through some of our records, and I got this picture. We had a loan of $2.5 million on 7-30-2012. Isn't that amazing? And we got a million-dollar budget. Our payment was over $11,000 a month. We paid $20,000 or more every month until we paid it off. Why is that? Because people would come to church, and their giving was in line with the gospel. I'm not going to beg you to give. You're an adult, okay? I don't know your family situation. Hey, I've had ups and downs. If you're not Steve, had some ups and downs. But everything I try to do is I try to give to this church over everything else. Everything. This church does more benevolence than any church I've ever been a part of. You don't realize how many people you help. When Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven... That's a gospel issue. Should I serve in the church? That's a gospel issue. Nobody's going to beg you to serve, people. They're not. We're looking for deacons. All you men look at me. I'm not begging you to serve. If i got to beg you to serve, just don't serve. Okay? But the people that serve in those positions, it's a gospel issue. The reason I started teaching Sunday school as a young man who was just young in the faith, it was a gospel issue for me. The reason I, I, I surrendered to ministry is not because somebody asked me. It was a gospel issue for me. Is my life in line with the gospel? And at that time, it was not. Okay? Think about this, too. Young people, look at me. Should I date this person? You don't got to ask you, preacher. You don't have to. It's a gospel issue. All you young people, look at me. In your dating relationship right now, if you have one, would Jesus be pleased with your actions? Okay, that's a gospel issue. Parents, you don't got to preach to your kids. Just share the gospel, right? All you adults look at me. In the relationships that you're in right now, would God be pleased with how you're acting? It's a gospel issue. Who should I? It's always in line with the gospel. Everything is in line with the gospel. Loving one another is in line with the gospel. Listen to this. Should I gossip? Is that, is that in line with the gospel? Look, should I do good? Should I confront this person? Now think about this. Paul says this to the church at Galatia. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer, there's the brethren, is overcome by some sin, isn't that awful? You know, I, I'm in ministry and I hear things that you guys don't, and I hear of a brother or sister in Christ who's overcome by some sin. They've had a weak moment. And they've had multiple weak moments, and before long, they're overcome by this sin, okay? 
What would the gospel say to do? Not to gossip. Not to share prayer requests unless you really mean it. Okay? Paul tells us in Galatians, he said, if you're, if you're God, those of you that are godly, those that are godly, dear brothers and sisters, he says, if another believer is overcome by some sin, and you can sense the love in Paul's heart, okay? He says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Is that not loving your brother? Is that, imagine if that happened here in this church. I mean, it's obvious you know about it if you know someone's overcome by sin. And then he goes on to say this, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Great advice, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Is it in line with the gospel to confront another person? If your heart's right, it sure is. Some of the best things you can do is be confrontational in love to help somebody else. Should I do good? Paul goes on to say this, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Think about that. If you're living out of a sinful nature, that's the harvest. doesn't matter how much money you have or how much fun you're having. That's beside the point. He says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, church. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. If you're going to be wore out, be wore out from doing what is good. Amen. But he said, don't get tired of doing that. Here's why. At just the right time, we individually will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Do good, people. Life is too short, is it not? Do good. Do good whether people see it or not. Just do good, be good. Be kind, hashtag, right? Do, do good things for people. Life is too short. That brings us to the final thing, and I'm going to hurry the reality, and that is this. Peter says, well, life is short. Notice what he says. He quotes Isaiah 40, verse 6 and 8. All flesh is as grass. All the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall away. This is talking about death. Listen, this talks about the brevity of life. He says, you, you contrast life to God's word. God's word is eternal. This truth that you obeyed is eternal. Human life is at best like flowering grass, splendid for a season, but short-lived. Short and the brevity of life can lead us to, to despair, but it does not Peter. Think about this. Lost people. Woody Allen said this when he, when he was asked about the brevity of life. He says, I live by the power of distraction. This is a lost man's thoughts. He says, I go on vacations. I go watch comedy, I watch movies, I play golf, I run a business. And before long, you don't even think about it. Peter says, think about it. Your life is so short. Abraham said this, I am but dust and ashes. David in 1 Samuel 20 says, there is but a step between me and death. Job says, how frail is humanity? How short is life? How full of trouble? We blossom like a flower, then wither like a passing shadow. We quickly disappear. And then the Lord's brother says this, what is your life? In that context, people are talking about what they're going to do. And he says this, have plans, but be humble about them. Right? 
Be careful about saying, see you tomorrow, maybe. You hope so, if God wills it, amen. He says, life is but a vapor. It's like a mist. You can spray it and it's gone. It's just so quick. So quick. And what he's saying is this. Obey the truth while you have time. The truth is the gospel. Obey it. Okay? You've heard the gospel. Obey it. And then, life is short. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love them to the point that you're sore every day from stretching out. Amen? And then he says this, just remember that life is short. Psalm 39, we'll close with this. This entire psalm in Psalm 39 is about the brevity of life. The psalmist pauses in the midst of a busy existence and begins to meditate on his life, his Lord, and the length of his days. Young people, you don't understand this, but those of us that are older do. As he sits quietly, he begins to consider how short life is. Furthermore, he considers how important it is for man to know how short life is. God wants you to know. It is the brevity of life that he discovers that there is no real hope outside of the Lord, for he is eternal. Notice what he says, Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me. Lord, remind me. Moses lived a good old age and died strong. And he said, Lord, teach me the number of my days. God gave him a good long life, died good, right? The psalmist is saying, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, right? I got a day when I'm going to die, okay? How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. Look, look at this. That's your life. Think about that. When you're wondering whether to do good or not, just look at your life. You got that, that long to do it. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You got that long to do it, okay? I'm going to serve Jesus. Some of you have been saying that for 25 years. You got that long to do it. I'm going to start giving. You got that long to get lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You got that long. Look, you have made my life no longer than with my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. And then he says this, look. In 6 and 7, he makes this statement. We are merely moving shadows and are busy rushing into nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so... Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Friends, place your hope in Jesus. Amen. I want you to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask for musicians to come. I'm not going to give a long invitation. If you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I do ask you these three questions. Have you heard the truth? And have you obeyed it? I would encourage you to do that today if you have not. If you have never obeyed it, God says this, repent of your sin, which means repent of your sin and trusting in yourself for salvation and place your faith in Jesus. That's the starting point. Don't think about all the bad things you've done. We've all done those. That's not salvation. Salvation is placing your faith in Jesus. Have you heard the truth and obeyed it? Secondly, do you love one another? And I say this with as humbly as I can. Is there anyone in your life that you can't forgive? Forgive them. When you think about forgiving somebody, look at your hand. And the final thing is this. Life is so short. Are you living your life with the blessings God has given you, with your time, your talent, your treasure, your gifts, are you living your life for Jesus? If not, where you're at, you don't got to come forward. 
in your heart, from the heart, commit to Jesus your life now. Father, as we come to you in prayer, this is your time and these are your people. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would save the lost. Help people to repent, stop trusting in themselves and trusting you. Lord, I was 20 years old when you saved me. So thankful for your salvation. Father, I pray as a pastor that I would not waste my life, waste my money, waste my time, waste my opportunities. Father, help me to live for you. Lord, I make a commitment before our church to do that. And I pray that they would as well. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things that you alone can do. Thank you so much for your word. And we honor you through this invitation, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This altar's open if you need it. If not, you can make your decisions there where you are. Thank you so much this morning. Come just as you Listen, before we dismiss, I want you to know I love you. If you're here and you're a Christian and you're struggling with anything, you can come to me. Uh, it'll be confidential. I'll take it to my grave, okay? But I, my desire is to help you through it. And I hope you do the same for me, amen? And we should be that way, people, right? We should be that way. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and you'd like to talk to me about that, I would love to talk with you about that. I'm the easiest man on the planet to find, okay? Easiest person to get a hold of, okay? So I want you to know that I love you and want to talk with you about that. Listen, do good, be good, love the brethren in Christ, and give honor and glory to Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed and hope to see you back here tonight at 5 p.m.